All right, welcome back to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. We are in partnership with the Black and Gold Hockey Productions, LLC. You're here with co-host, father and son duo, Andrew and Jim Lindroth. Dad, how are you doing today? Can't wait for the next guest. Doing great, Andrew. Get right into the intro. It's going to be a lengthy one. This guy's got a resume, long, long, long. Yeah, might be, might be one of the longest intros yet, so hopefully Brian doesn't think that his mother wrote this one. So during Brian's <laughs> teenage years, he suited up in the OHL for a brief stint during the 89-90 season but spent most of his time in what was known at the time as the Met JHL and now known as the OJHL and spent most of his time with the Wellington Dukes from 89 to 93. After his junior days, Brian went on to sign his first pro contract in the AHL in 1993 and grinded out over the next five years with the Albany River Rats and finally achieved his ultimate goal of playing the NHL the next uh, campaign during the 98-99 season when he got his first call to play for the Arizona Coyotes. For the next decade, Brian played between AHL and NHL, suiting up for Arizona, St. Louis Blues, Vancouver Canucks, and the Washington Capitals. Brian finished his final four years playing pro in the NHL between three teams and retired from playing in 2013. Four years later, in 2017, Brian was inducted into the American Hockey League Hall of Fame. And fun fact, he is the AHL all-time scorer among defensemen since 2011, with a whopping 564 points in 1116 AHL games and also won three Calder Cups during his playing days. Since retiring, Brian served as an assistant coach for the Peterborough Peets from 2013 to 2014, an assistant coach for Hershey Bears from 2014 to 2016, and then has now been serving as vice president of hockey operations for the Hershey Bears in the American Hockey League since 2016. I know that was long-winded. That was a lot, but we are very excited for our guest today. He's got a phenomenal resume, so let's welcome Brian Helmer today. Brian, how are you doing today? Good. You're, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on, and obviously uh, that that is a little bit of a, a long resume, but I was very fortunate to play that long, play with a lot of good, uh, played a lot of good teams and played with a lot of good uh, people, so uh, very proud of that and uh, very humble about it too, so. And just to add on that, Andrew, uh, three-time championship, Calder Cup. And also, I think you've got the record for most playoff appearances, too, Brian. I think it's like – I got it written down. It's 159, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. So he he just kills all the record books in the AHL. (laughs) Yeah, you look it up. All right. Go ahead, Andrew. So, yeah, starting from the beginning, Brian, we're obviously not too familiar with what was known as the Met JHL. You said it's now known as the OJHL. What was your uh, experience like back in that junior league back in the day? Yeah, so Andrew, it was actually a very competitive league. Um, I think there was uh, 14 or 15 teams. Uh, a lot of teams were in the Toronto area. Um, we had a team in Kingston, then us in Wellington. But uh, it was very highly scouted um, by the NHL. I think uh, my last year, uh, I led the league as a defenseman in scoring. And um, there was three guys that out of that league that got drafted to the NHL. And I actually was fortunate to get a, a tryout with the, with the New Jersey Devils. So um, it was great. I loved Wellington. Uh, I started in Belleville, um, had six games uh, my first year in, in Belleville, and, uh, and then they had uh, a, ch- a coaching change with Belleville, and um, Larry Maverick came in, and uh, for some reason, you know, I, I, he, if he didn't like my, the way I played or whatever, I ended up spending the next uh, three years in Wellington, so I was there for four years. Loved Wellington, loved the small community. I still stay in touch with everyone there. Uh, I loved my billets uh, that were there, too, and um, so it was a great experience for me. And then to get the opportunity to go to an NHL training camp right after junior, uh, was pretty special too. I know when I, when I went to New Jersey, you know, I, I walked in the dress room and growing up in Winchester, Ontario, close to Montreal, I was a big Montreal Canadiens fan. And the first two guys I walk in and see Claude Lemieux and Stefan Riche. So I was kind of in awe, but I'm, I was thinking to myself, you know, I was 21 years old at the time I'm from a small town. Like, what am I doing in, in this dressing room trying out for this team? But um, it was great. It, it, uh, Larry Robinson was the assistant coach uh, for the Devils at the time. And Larry, Larry actually uh, knew my family. My mom worked with his brother. So there was a little connection there. And I, I think he was a big part of why I ended up going to Albany and signing an American League deal my first year. He was a big fan of mine, and I'm pretty sure he put in some good words. So very lucky uh, the way uh, my career went. Obviously, I was, I was never drafted in any league, so I had to, had to work, uh, work my butt off to, to get what I got. So it's, it's been good, and uh, it started right back in junior. And, and uh, you know, I had a great time there, and it just kept going. So. Yeah, and so the, that was kind of leading into my next question. I was going to ask you, Brian, what was your what was the story building up to you signing your first pro contract with Albany? 
Yeah. So again, you know, I, I just went in, people always ask me, uh, you know, what was it like in New Jersey, you know, coming from, you know, in junior, I was practicing twice a week. We'd practice on Tuesdays and Thursdays, play on the weekend. And then all of a sudden I'm going to an NHL training camp and becoming a professional hockey player. And the one thing I will say, uh, guys, is um, I had an opportunity uh, before I went to New Jersey was I was actually enrolled to go to Guelph University. Um, so I had, you know, I had something to fall back onto if, if that happened. Um, but went in, just just played. I just enjoyed my my time there. I just had a, I actually had a really good training camp. Um, I felt great. I didn't think I, I felt like I could play maybe not in the NHL, but I knew I could play with, with some of these guys. I, I thought I could, uh, play in the American league and, uh, I just put in my, in my time and played well and, and, it, and it ended up going to, uh, to Albany at, for training camp. And I remember, uh, there was about a week before the season started and the, uh, the coach at Guelph called me and said, you know, we, we need a, a decision. We, you know, are you going to stay or are you going to come back to school? And, I told him, I'm like, listen, um, you know, I'm a week away from becoming a professional hockey player. I think I'm going to put schooling on the, on the back burner. So um, it was a couple of days before I ended up signing an American league deal and, and my dream came true. I became a professional hockey player. And my first game was actually in Rochester against Rochester Americans. And um, so it was pretty neat to, uh, to start on the road. And Matt Ruffy was my uh, defensive partner and I still stay in touch with Matt too now. And, uh, but he was a veteran at the time and he was actually a, a really good person to, uh, to help me out through my first game. So, so how did you deal with the transition from, you know, playing in juniors to now you're playing with men with family? This is a business. Uh, were you getting smoked in the training camp or did you have to say, Oh man, I got to step up my game. What was, what was that experience like for you? I'll be honest with you, Jim. Um, you know, I just, I just, I didn't really think about it. I just, I just played, I just loved the game so much. I just went and played, you know, it was, I, um, you know, I, I, I was more of, a, of an offensive defenseman. Um, but that was one thing that I had to learn is to play more defensively because there, there'd be times when I'd be jumping up the ice and, you know, Robbie Fatorik was our coach at the time and uh, Robbie ran the, the bench by himself. And it actually probably helped me in my development because, you know, you didn't have that defensive coach that comes down and is kind of in your ear after every shift. And, at the time, there was we had uh, three lines, uh, one extra forward, and six D. So basically, we go out as units of five. And so if my, my forwards went out, then I went out with my partners. So I think that helped me out a lot. Um, it just let me play, let me learn on my own, and uh, and then just I had success. And uh, I'll I'll backtrack a little bit, guys, with a good story. So when I signed my contract, it was American League deal. It was worth twenty five thousand dollars. And they gave me a $2,500 signing bonus. And I was the happiest guy in the world. I remember <laughs> calling my parents and saying, I can't believe I signed. They gave me $2,500. So the next day I come in the dressing room and I'm talking to all the guys and I'm telling them, I'm bragging, you know, I'm like $2,500, $25,000. Yeah. You know, my signing bonus was great. You know, and they're all laughing at me and I'm like, what? They're like, uh, Helms, uh, you know, this guy over here signed for 75,000. This guy over here signed for 50. I'm like, oh, okay, I think I'll <laughs> shut up now. <laughs> and the thing was, I took my $2,500 and went and bought a Jeep. So right into debt, right off the hop. So young kids that are listening to this uh, podcast, don't do that. Save your money. <laughs> yeah. Get, getting good with the VP of hockey operations before you negotiate. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh. So uh, during your time with Albany, I mean, you quickly won the Calder Cup. I think it was your second season with the team. So obviously the AHL was pretty nuts back in the day from what I understand as a young guy. What was it like to go through a full playoff uh, series, all, all four series like that? And how intense does it, I mean, is it to get through a series? Yeah, it was. Uh, so I can remember my first year, I, we, we ended up getting beat out by Portland uh, in the first round, um, you know, just to get that. It's almost goes to another level when you get to the playoffs and it's more intense. You know, there's more on the line. Uh, so I think we played, uh, we got beat out in five games. So I, I learned a lot going into the next year uh, for playoffs. Um, it was like we actually flew through the playoffs. I didn't play every single game. Um, because that's how good a team at, like, we brought in guys like Jason Smith. Uh, we brought in a couple other guys that, you know, draft picks, pretty high up draft picks that, uh, came from junior. And then we, then we put them right in the lineup. So that kind of pushed me out a bit. Um, but one game, uh, I did play the third game in Fredericton, um, uh, in the cup finals and we, we were up to nothing. We were kind of taking it to them pretty good. So they thought they would, 
you know, try to start something and warm up. And so we're skating around and, and guys are chirping at, at the red line and uh, nothing happened. Uh, refs came out and kind of broke it up. But, uh, but right off the face off at the start of that game, Reed Simpson uh, went at uh, Donald Brashear and Reed Simpson, Simpson actually uh, put it to him pretty good. And our whole bench, you could just tell we were going to win. Um, we went, went on to win that game. I think it was maybe five, nothing or something like that. And we won game four. So it was, uh, it was pretty intense. It's, it's a fun time. I mean, our team was, was incredible. We had rate right from our goaltenders, Corey Schwab, Mike Dunham, they actually uh, switched them out. They, they alternated games and they yeah. won co-MVPs. So it was pretty wow. impressive to see that. And Robbie just knew how, how to push our buttons to, to make everybody click. And, um, so, and it was a close knit team too. And that I've been on, I played on three championship teams and those three teams, we were all really, really tight. So it, it's uh, usually when you have that, it's, uh, it's usually a, a recipe for success. So, so you spend um, the next five years with Albany, and again, you name it, uh, you just said it was a close knit team. And we know off air that, uh, you know, we got a hold of you through one of your former teammates, Mark Strobel, who's associate coach up at University of Wisconsin. So we want to kind of throw his name out there, but give us a little uh, Strobel story. Yeah. So, uh, so Mark was uh, obviously an incredible defenseman coming out of Wisconsin and, you know, he, he came in and uh, you know, there was big high hopes on him and he, he did an incredible job. But the one time I remember I came in the dressing room, uh, it was before practice and, you know, I, I was coming in and I I thought it was, uh, I thought it was Mark and I like slapped him on the back. I'm like, Hey, Strobes, how you doing? I walked by him and as I was getting to the change room, everyone was kind of laughing at me and I turned around it was his brother. (laughs) <laughs> so we actually had his, his twin brother. So I was like, and I, I didn't know at the time, you know, and, and uh, so they were American and his brother were laughing pretty good at me, you know, and they, so his brother came up and said, hi, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Mark's brother. So it was, uh, it was pretty, pretty funny and pretty, uh, just one of those things that, you know, you, you, you do that uh, almost every day and, and it turned out to be something different for me. So oh, <laughs> that's wow. a pretty good story. So, Obviously, you spent five years in Albany for your first five years of your pro career. So just to kind of word the, the question correctly, what kind of led your decision to stay there as a young guy? Was it the team, the organization? Was there no other offers that you were tempted by just to try out another organization or team? What was the kind of story on that? Yeah, no, I, I, I really liked it in Albany. Obviously, uh, we had really good teams. Um, and to win the Calder Cup in my second year, you know, I thought we were going to go back every single year. You know, I think the next year we led the league by 15 points uh, overall. And, and then we, we lose in the first round, but you know, that sort of stuff happens. But again, uh, I, I love the organization. Um, I had a, a great time. I, I, I didn't want to go anywhere else, to be honest with you. They were, uh, they, they gave my chance that the next contract I signed after my first year was, was an NHL deal is for three years. And then I signed one more and then I became an unrestricted free agent. So, um, you know, I was kind of bound with, with the restriction, like I was a restricted free agent. So once I became an unrestricted free agent, you know, I wanted to stay, but, uh, it, it just, uh, I thought I had a better opportunity to go to, uh, to Arizona. So, um, but you know, the New Jersey devils gave me their, their, their uh, a chance to become a professional hockey player. Lou, Lou Lamorello was the GM and, you know, I got all the respect in the world for that guy. And, um, so it, it was, uh, it was a great five years. I enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, I, I met a lot of great people and, um, you know, I let, met a lot of great fans there too. And I still stay in touch with a few of the fans there too. So it's, it's sad that they're not there anymore. That always not in the American hockey league anymore, but uh, you know, it was a great spot. So uh, a lot of our guests that have dealt with uh, Lou Lamorello um, just say nothing but great things, just like you do. And um, what made him, to have to players to give him the respect that they do. I mean, again, we've had at least four guests I, I, off yeah. the top of my head that, have, you know, and we're not talking guys that made it to the NHL. You know, we're talking guys that were floating between the AHL and even the East Coast. And Lou took care of them, made sure that, you know, it just seemed like it was a class organization at that point. So do you have a good yeah. Lou story or is it just just good feelings about Lou? Just, just good feelings to be honest with you. I know Lou, um, like I said, he gave me my start. He actually spoke at my, uh, hall of fame ceremony on, on video. So, um, you know, to have somebody like that, 
Lou's just, he's such a, a great hockey um, person. You know, he, he takes chances. You know, he took a chance on me. I'm, I'm a kid coming out of tier two junior, you know, and he gave me a chance and, you know, it worked out. Yeah. I didn't play a regular season game with the New Jersey devils, but um, you know, we had, I had a lot of success in, in Albany. So um, I think he's not afraid to try things. Uh, he's, he's very, a very smart hockey uh, person that, uh, that obviously has gets results. And uh, so I was just glad to be a part of it. And, you know, if I see Lou at, a, at the arena, you know, he'll still talk, you know, he'll come up to me or, you know, he's not one of those people that thinks he's, high, um, you know, higher than everybody else. He's, he's a down to earth person that just love, loves to win and, and he's, he'll do whatever he can to win. So kind of a random question, Brian, who's your favorite line mate during your time in Albany? <laughs> That's a good question, Andrew. I mean, I, I had a lot of, like I said, I had a lot of great, uh, uh, teammates and, and a lot of, like, even the staff itself, you know, um, for me, it's, it's, a, it, that's hard to say. Um, you know, tonight at, we're actually in, in Charlotte, uh, right now we play the, uh, the checkers tonight and Jordy Kinnear is, uh, is the head coach on the other team. And, you know, Jordy and I lived together for a year in Albany and, you know, Kale Hulse, um, you know, Kevin Dean, actually, that's the assistant coach in Boston. He was my captain the year we won. And, okay. uh, so I learned a lot from, from him and we just had, uh, you know, great, great people that, that, that played there. And so that's, that's a tough one just to, to pick someone out like that. So I'm going to yeah. leave it at that, Andrew. Cool. Good, good answer. Yeah. Good answer. yeah. <laughs> so take us through the first call up to the NHL. So, um, you know, start with arriving. Well, start with the call. How did you get the call? And then arrive into the locker room, the pregame skate, you know, do you remember any of it? What was it like for you? Yeah. So uh, it's actually, so I went into Arizona and, uh, in during training, uh, training camp, we had a, a, a scrimmage and I, I stood up on Shane Doan and we, we collided pretty hard and we both fell. Um, but, um, the next day, uh, I came into the rink and my sore was, my knee was a little sore and, you know, you know, I didn't want to say anything to the, to the trainer because, you know, you, you just kind of, I wanted to go over get a hot pack, see if it would loosen up. And, uh, and the trainer ended up catching me and, uh, he's like, Helms, what's going on? I says, well, my knee's a little sore. Anyways, Long story short, he checked it out and I had a, a second degree MCL sprain. So, you know, but, but I had three weeks um, to get better before the season started. And, you know, I worked really hard. I, I remember I was in the pool at, at the, uh, at the resort where guys were staying and I was doing everything possible to get back as fast as I could. And so I, when I got better, um, it was the last exhibition game it was in Phoenix and they told me, okay, Helms, you're going to go watch the last game and then we're going to send you to Vegas. Cause that's where they sent their guys that were over 26. They sent them to Vegas in the IHL. They sent their younger guys to Springfield, Massachusetts, because Springfield was splitting with Tampa Bay at the time. So, um, so went to the last game, sure enough, uh, defenseman gets hurt and they came to me after the game and said, Hey, you're going to play the first, uh, first regular season game. So I was fired up. I got on the phone to my uh, girlfriend at the time, but she's my wife now. Um, I got her down to, to Phoenix. I couldn't get my parents down there. My agent came down to see me. Um, so I remember, uh, um, you know, just the, the, the buildup to that day, going to, to pregame skate, you know, it's uh, your dreams coming true. You're going to play in the NHL. So I just didn't want to get hurt in, in the uh, pregame skate. And uh, Yerke Lume was, was my partner. And he actually picked me up at the hotel took, brought me down to the rink and that drive from Scottsdale to Phoenix, you know, was great. I kept asking him questions. I'm pretty sure he, maybe he thought, you know, this young kid, please shut up. You know, I, <laughs> but, um, it was great. He was good. I got there, the guys, you know, all the guys were great. My first shift, um, you know, after my shift, uh, Jeremy Roenick went and grabbed the puck, came over and said, congratulations, you know, gave me the puck. So, um, that, that summer, my wife and I got married and she put my Jersey in a frame and put the puck that Jeremy gave me and, and my hockey card and gave that to me for a wedding gift. So it was, uh, it was a special day. We played the Ottawa centers, which was great because my parents just, we lived just outside Ottawa. So, um, it wasn't on TV, but it was, uh, it was on the radio. So my parents and the, all my relatives back home, uh, listened to it and it was, uh, it was great. I think I played nine minutes or something like that. So it was, uh, it's a dream come true, and it was a lot of fun. So not to backtrack or to get off topic or anything, but for those who don't know, Brian was tough as nails back in the day. <laughs> and even during his AHL days, he frequently hit the 100 penalty minute club in some seasons. So 
was uh, physicality always part of your game? And I meant to ask earlier, did anybody ever challenge you during your camp days? Well, it's funny. So, um, you know, I, I basically had to learn to fight um, going into the American Hockey League. You know, I did a little bit in junior, but uh, I had to do more in in uh, in uh, Albany because, uh, you know, it was kind of if you if you got up by, you know, let's say five goals or six goals. Next thing you know, it was a five on five. So you had to learn to, to protect yourself. And um, but for me, uh, I remember um, my first couple of years, uh, you know, I, my goal was to get a hundred penalty minutes. And I remember the one game, I think it was our last game in the regular season. And, uh, I, I was at 99 penalty minutes. And so before the game, I was skating around with the ref and it was Dan O'Halloran. And I said, uh, I said, Dan, can you do me a favor? I said, at some time in this, in this game, can you call a coincidental on me? I'm two minutes, I'm two penalty minutes away, uh, two minutes away from getting a hundred, a hundred or more. And he started laughing. He's like, oh, I'll see what I can do Helms. And sure enough, I think it was in the second period, got in front of the net, and I cross-checked the guy, and he cross-checked me back and, and ended up getting uh, coincidental roughing. And uh, so I got over 100 uh, penalty minutes. So that was uh, that was pretty nice of Dan to do something like that for me. But oh, it was uh, – Did you thank him? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. As soon as he came over, he blew the whistle, came over, I, I, I think I tapped him on the back and said, thanks for that one. So uh, – but, it, you know, it was neat. Like, that's that's that was just the way it was. You know, it was um, – back then it was – you know, obviously the game was a little different and it was uh, a little rougher back then. And um, so I had to learn. I, me- I mean, my first year, I remember it was around Christmas time and I had the veteran guys coming up to me and they're like, Hey, the way you play, you need to fight. And because I, I played the game hard. Um, and so I remember we were in PEI and uh, I just was right in front of our bench and I dropped the, dropped my gloves and fought. And then, uh, and the, and the guys loved it. You know, I, 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 Basically, when I fight, I, I hold on, throw a couple punches. I don't, I'm not that guy that goes toe to toe and takes that chance. But um, so I would get through the fight. And I remember I, uh, when, the, when the period was over after my fight, you know, Robbie Fitor came in and all the guys were tapping me. And Robbie's like, hey, Helms, next time keep your eyes open. So I guess I had my <laughs> eyes shut. So, <laughs> yeah. so but uh, great. But yeah, you, you learn how to do that. And, and I played the game hard. So you, you definitely had to do that once in a while. So for us fans, hockey, you know, it's a it's a love, it's a sport, it's entertainment for us. But getting on, you know, hockey for you, it's it's a business, obviously. Um, talk to us a, uh, about being uh, placed on waivers, then getting claimed off waivers. So uh, I can't remember it. I guess it's Phoenix put you on waivers, but you got picked up by St. Louis. Yeah. What is the stress? What goes on um, with that? We had, I think it was Jimmy Thompson. Mm-hmm. Was he the one that... He had a crazy story where he was like traded three or four times in a day. Oh, it was the, ex- yeah. the expansion draft. Expansion draft yeah. Three years uh, yeah. It, was, it was nuts. But w- what is it like to kind of, okay, you're placed on waivers. It's part of the, it's part of the, the plan for the team to do what they need to do. What's it like for the player? Then you get claimed off of waivers. I, I would assume it's stressful. Bring us through that experience. Yeah. So the first time it happened to me, um, you know, I, I, I started the year again, got my first NHL game, played five games, ended up getting sent to Vegas, came back, played another five, and then ended up, um, I didn't know at the time that I was, uh, that I was on waivers. And I remember, um, the trainer came to me and said, Hey, coach wants to see you. So, uh, I went in and Jim Schoenfeld was a coach and sat, I sat there and, you know, he said, uh, you know, good for you. Unfortunately, it's not great for us. We lost you to, uh, to waivers to St. Louis. Cause so I was kind of surprised about it cause I didn't know. Um, and then, and then emotionals, you know, you you feel like, okay, you know, I, I liked it here in Phoenix, but you know, there's a reason why St. Louis picked me up. So maybe, you know, I'm, I'm going to get maybe a better opportunity there. And so then you, I walked out and I remember, you know, saying goodbye to all the guys and got them all to sign a stick for me. And, uh, and then, going to St. Louis. And, but the one thing that was hard is, is it, my wife was with me at the time. Um, she was my girlfriend and I actually had an apartment in Vegas. And so she actually had to go to Vegas and pack up the apartment and thank God her sister came with her and drove all the way from Vegas to St. Louis. So I think sometimes in situations like that, it's harder on your family members than it is on you. Um, but I went to St. Louis. I knew, knew a few uh, of the players that I played with in Albany uh, Pascal Riome, uh, Chris McAlpine was there and a few guys like that, Scotty Pellerin. So I knew a few of them and, and, uh, it, it worked out, uh, for a while for me there. Cause I got, ended up playing with, uh, 
with Chris Pronger and, and Al McGinnis and, and those type of players and just learning so much from them. And my time, my uh, minutes went up from, I think I averaged maybe nine minutes or 10 minutes in, in Phoenix and ended up getting almost to 20 in, uh, in St. Louis. So, and then, um, you know, the trade deadline comes and, uh, and it was one of those things where my minutes started dwindling and, and the next thing I know, I find myself in, in Worcester, uh, mass back in the American hockey league. So that was definitely a roller coaster ride for me that year, you know, playing on that many teams. And, um, but again, you know, it's an experience and it's, it's how I always handled it. I, I was never going to get down. Uh, I wasn't going to get mad. Things happen for a reason and, and try to stay positive. And it, Hey, I'm, I always took the, the feeling of, I'm getting paid to play a game. How cool is that? So it was, uh, is my attitude that I always had, uh, you know, when, the, when that happens, yeah, you're disappointed, but you, you try to get over as quick as you can. Yeah. That was going to be kind of my next question was how do you kind of deal with that mentally to, you know, not only not psych yourself out and think, Oh, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am, but to continue fighting to make it to the NHL. Cause over that, like I mentioned in the intro for a decade, you're going back and forth between the NHL and AHL. So how did you keep, I mean, for a long time and you just kept going at it. That's, that's, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's one thing a lot of people ask me is why did you never go to, to Europe? Um, you know, I, I just, I always had to drive to, to play, keep playing and try, keep trying to make it back to the NHL. And the one thing uh, when my son, when I played in the NHL before I went to Washington, um, you know, my son was too young to, to realize that I played in the NHL. So he'd always ask me like, dad, when are you going to get a, you're, you know, playing the NHL. And, you know, I, I try to tell him I played there, but um, he's like, until he saw it to believe it. Right. So the, and then it happened, you know, I, I stuck it out and, and I liked playing in the American league. Uh, I like being that leader. The uh, I like being the veteran trying to teach these young guys the, the proper way to do things and teach them how to be a pro. And, and when I went to, to uh, Hershey, you know, I was on an American league deal and in 0809, and a lot of their defensemen up in Washington were getting hurt. We were getting, we were, they were taking their, the young defensemen from us. And, you know, I, I, went, I remember I went into Bob Woods's office, Bob Woods is our head coach. And I said, Hey, Woody, you know, when's it going to be my turn? Just joking about it. And he started laughing and sure enough, it was, I can still remember it was the day after Thanksgiving, I get a call um, on my phone and it's a 202 number. And, you know, it's a day after Thanksgiving. I had a few drinks the night before. Um, so I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to answer this. I don't know who it is. So leaves a message. And sure enough, it was Don Fisherman. And he said to me, Hey, you know, he left a message saying, Brian, you know, we, uh, we want to sign you to an NHL deal. We want you to play in Washington uh, tomorrow night against the Montreal Canadians. So I still thought it was somebody messing around with me. So I ended up calling, uh, <laughs> Bob Woods. I said, Bob, this Don Fisherman called and wants, wants to sign me to an NHL deal. Is this true? Because I was always used to having the coach call you and say that I've never heard of an assistant coach or assistant GM from the NHL team calling you to sign you. So anyways, he's like, Helms, it's true. Don Fisher is the assistant uh, GM with, they want you to go up there and they want you to play. And so again, it was like my first time playing in the NHL or getting called up. I, I think on the way up, I, I called everybody I knew and uh, said I was going back to NHL. And, and then finally my son was there to see it. We played against Montreal um, you know, I was a little nervous at the time because the last time I played in the NHL was before the lockout and all the rule changes, you know, with getting rid of the clutching and grabbing. Um, so I knew I could play in the American league, but I wasn't sure if I could still play in the NHL. And again, I was 37, 36, 37 at the time. So, um, but I remember, uh, Bruce Boudreau started me, um, you know, I was standing on the blue line, both anthems were playing and, you know, the butterflies are in my stomach and my knees are knocking. I'm like, Oh my God, let's just get this thing on the way puck drop, you know? And, and uh, I think somebody came down on me and I poked, checked the puck away and I'm like, yeah, I can still play. So went on and, and played, I think I played 12 games that year. And, uh, I actually got, uh, it was, uh, the 26th of December we're playing Buffalo. I remember, um, I tell this story to everybody is puck was shot from the point. I grabbed the puck, put it down on my stick in front of my net, put it to Ovi. Ovi went end to end and scored a highlight reel. And I got the assist on it. So <laughs> it was nice. nice. And then I ended up getting another assist that night and I ended up uh, getting first star. So it was, oh, nice. uh, it was pretty neat to, to get first star. And that was the only time I ever got a first star. And, and then the, uh, the scary thing was it uh, about that was the next day, Bruce Boudreaux called me in his office and he said to me, he goes, Helms, I've never did this before, but we're going to send you down to Hershey 
And I know you were the first star last night, but he's like, I've never sent down a guy that got first star in the NHL and got to send him down to the American league. So, um, but that's, again, that's the business, right? That's the, uh, they needed to, uh, to somebody was coming back and, and they needed to get rid of somebody. So, um, but I actually got called up a couple more times and, and ended up playing, like I said, 12 games that year. So we want to throw it because our listeners know we're, we're from Tulsa, Oklahoma, not the hockey capital of the world, but we do have the, a deep hockey history of uh, the Tulsa Oilers all the way back to the 1920s. But you played uh, a few years down in OKC and we just missed you. So we actually moved to Oklahoma around 2012. So we just missed you. Um, and I think when we, when we went the game or two, I think Taylor Hall was the big star for OKC. But uh, anyway, throw a little bit of uh, Oklahoma love our way, even though it's an OKC, for those of you who don't know, it's about maybe hour and a half, two hours away from Tulsa, but uh, American League, uh, Edmonton franchise, I believe. It was, you know, it, I, I loved it there. I mean, I know uh, the, the weather's crazy there. Um, it kind of scared my family, I'll be honest with you. So the first year I got there, I got there in January. It was great. Uh, I, you know, I couldn't find a job after one back-to-back with, with Hershey. Um, ended up just being at home. Uh, Todd Nelson was the head coach. Um, I knew Todd from, from previous years of playing against him and stuff like that. Uh, he knew my agent, uh, Alex true was there. So I played with Alex and they kind of put a good word in for me and they actually ended up signing, I think January 3rd. So went down, met up with the team. My, my family stayed back in, in Ontario and, um, ended up at, at the time I was, uh, I was seven points away from becoming the all time leading goal scorer for a defenseman. Um, so coming in, I stayed in shape, uh, you know, I was skating back home in, in Westport, Ontario, uh, I was skating, uh, with, uh, with some of my friends I was skating with. So I played in the town league there. It was 35 and under and 35 and over. I played, you know, three games a night for, I just went to each team and just to try to stay in shape. So when I went down there, I was in, I was in probably the best shape of my life. And I think I had 10 points in five games. So it was, uh, I told, I can remember after the fifth game going into Todd Nelson's office and saying, Hey, Nelly, you know, don't get used to this. Cause I'm not used to putting this many points up so fast. <laughs> so um, it was just, we had, they had, we had a really good team and I was just, I was getting rewarded for, for having such good players with me. So, um, but, and then I ended up signing the, the uh, right at the uh, trade deadline. I ended up signing another year, uh, like an extension. So that was the year I brought my family. We lived in Edmond, uh, yeah, Edmond, Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, brand new house. It was beautiful. Uh, right across the road, one of the uh, Thunder players lived there, so we got to know him. Uh, Cole Aldridge was was the guy, and and you know, what, uh, just a good person. I think he was from Minnesota, and um, you know, he so got to, got to know him. You know, my son played hockey there. Um, my wife made that trip to to Dallas quite a few times, um, and and so. We got to know a few people there too. And a little story there is, so my son's playing for the Boston advantage in the NCDC and his goalie is the goalie that he had in Oak in Oklahoma city. So they, they got together. Yeah. And they're actually living. Uh, there's, I think there's seven of them that live in the house and he, and now they're together and uh, they're, be, they're become uh, really good friends. So it's, it's pretty neat how that stuff comes around. So, um, but the, uh, after that, after that year, um, you know, I probably could have came back for another one, um, but my family just didn't feel comfortable uh, going back. So that's when I kind of moved on. And again, the lockout happened and, and then I got lucky and, and signed with Springfield for my last uh, last chance to, to get another Calder Cup. And uh, unfortunately, we came short and I couldn't play anymore. The game was so much faster. And so uh, that's when I decided to call it quits. And I know there was a long discussion with my wife and she brought up a good point. She's like, you made it this far with, you know, limited injuries. Let's quit when we were ahead. So it was, yeah. uh, it was a good decision. And, and then to get right into coaching was, was even better. Cause I wasn't sure what I was going to do after that, you know, and um, I was going to take some time, but uh, it worked out that I had a chance to, uh, to go to Peterborough. So. So we could obviously go on and on about your playing <laughs> career for the rest of the episode. Um, yeah. But I did want to ask a couple more questions before we went to your post-playing career. And one of them was, you obviously had just mentioned you won um, back-to-back Calder Cups. That was your second and third Calder Cup championship um, with Hershey Bears in 2009-2010. What was the toughest Calder Cup series you had to play? So the, the toughest one was, was probably uh, the uh, 2008. 
eight, nine, we played Wilkes-Barre in, in the, uh, in our division finals, they were up three, two, um, coming back to Hershey and, uh, you know, and it was, a, it was a, a war, like every game, it was rough and tough and, you know, it was tight and, you know, they, they, we won the first two games, they won the next, uh, yeah, they won the next three in their building. And then we came back and played two in ours. And I remember going into game six, and, you know, it was, it was one of those things you just look around the room and you could just feel guys were concentrating. They, they had it. We're going to win this game. We ended up winning three, nothing. And then we played game seven at home and we won again, three, nothing. So that was a real, that was one of the, uh, was a really good series. And then the other one would be in the finals in 2010. Uh, we had 13 days off between the semifinals and the finals. Uh, the circus came into town we actually sent guys home, home for four days just to, just to get away, uh, came back. We, we had a, a party team. Let's put it that way that we were, again, we were really close, but we like to, to go pretty hard. And I think we went a little too hard before the finals. Um, you know, we were having, we were having a few parties and, and I mean, this is like a week before we started back up. Um, so, uh, going into the first two games, the first game we were, just really, really bad. And our fans let us know second, second game. We were, we were better. I could tell we were getting better. We're getting our legs back and stuff. We still lost. And I, I tell everyone this one too, like our fans are, are very passionate in Hershey and they actually booed us off the ice. And the funny thing is that year we won 34 games at home for them. We won 60 games out of 80 and you know, but, but it's whatever you did first lately. And, and, and the one thing that helped me out being the captain was so Ray Bork was around. So, because Chris was playing for us and after every game, we would go to a restaurant and, and have a meal as a team and Ray was there. And so I actually grabbed him after, after he was done eating. I said, Ray, in a situation like this, you're down to nothing. You've won 60 games in the regular season. You know how to win. I you know. What would you do if you're in my position? He goes, Helms. He goes, I would have a meeting and I, you are the only one that talks and make sure that, you know, you're going to have to call out some of your teammates. They have to be better. And, and I know it's tough to do that. And it, it's really tough for me because I never did that before, like calling out teammates. But I said, well, when's a good time? And he said, probably right after the pregame skate. So going into our pregame skate, you know, I put up the board, hey, everyone after their, after their skate, I want to I talk. I want to have a meeting. So inside the meeting after, you know, we talked and, and I did my spiel. And, um, you know, the one thing that Ray did say was, Make sure that after the first period, doesn't matter how the, how you play. Make sure you reinforce, you know, things. So, got done, went went and had our meal, had our nap, came back to the rink. First period, we're down three one. I'm like, oh my god, like that the the speech didn't work, but <laughs> it's funny, it did work because I didn't have to say a word because I looked around and it, and it's, it's that feeling of okay, we might be down three one, but everyone's talking, everyone's laughing. No one's take like no one's panicking or anything like that. And we went out, we ended up winning six, three, and then won the next two games came back and won game six. And that's all she wrote. So, um, so just a little thing like that, you know, it's just, it's nice to have people like Ray Bork that's, uh, you know, to, to pick his brain and see what he would do and help me out a lot. So you served as captain for several AHL teams. What does it take to be a captain? What's the leadership quality that's, that's, right on the top of the list that a captain needs? I think just uh, lead by example. I mean, practice hard, uh, do the right things, um, show, show these young guys and, and your teammates that you care and that you, you care for them and, and just be a good person. And, you know, I think if you have those, you can be a good leader. And like I said, I was never one of those guys that, you know, would yell and scream at a teammate or anything like that. If, if I had something to say to a teammate, I'd, I'd probably take them out uh, the room and talk to him that, that way, instead of uh, embarrassing him in front of teammates and that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, I was really fortunate, especially with those two teams in, in, Al or in, uh, uh, in Hershey, you know, I was the captain of the team, but I tell everyone there, there could have been eight different captains. Like when you have a group that just believes in each other and believes that they can win every night, it's pretty fun to play on a team like that. So. So, Right after a time, you waste no chance, or you waste. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I jumped way too ahead, Brian. So you actually get inducted to the American uh, Hockey League Hall of Fame, which is a huge deal. So did you even have a heads up that you were going to be inducted? 
Well, I mean, what was your uh, what was your reaction? It had to be kind of like, oh shoot, like that's crazy. Yeah, uh, Andrew, I'll be honest with you. Like, it's something that I I didn't even think about. To be, uh, you know, I I know I had a, a long career and and uh, a pretty successful career, and um, I was actually I know that uh, the exact time I got I got a call from Dave Andrews. I was actually in this position of vice president of hockey operations, and I took my staff to Washington to uh, a pregame season or pregame. Uh, so what happened was we went over and watched the pregame skate. And then I got a call from Dave Andrews because we had a, a league meeting, but he wanted me to call me before we had the league meeting. And he said, Hey, I want to let you know that you, that we're going to induct you into the um, AHL hall of fame. And I was like, Oh my God, you know, that's unbelievable. I didn't expect it and stuff. And he wanted, he said, I wanted to make sure you knew because on the call, we're going to tell uh, the other board of governors who we are going to induct in the, into the AHL hall of fame. So it was, uh, it was neat. I wasn't with family, but you know, I was kind of with my hockey family of my, uh, you know, the people I work with and they were all excited and that sort of stuff. But then I made the phone calls to my family, uh, you know, to my wife and kids and, and then to my parents. So it was, uh, it, I, I was very honored. It was, uh, it was a great experience. The, it was in Lehigh Valley, uh, where I got inducted and, you know, my, my family was there. People from Hershey were there. Um, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a great moment and it's a moment that I'll never forget. So very fortunate and very happy to be in that situation. So putting the, um, the, the humbleness aside for a moment, when you look at the list of all the AHL hall of fame, uh, inductees, I mean, and now you're part of that. Has it sunk in that you're on that list and it's not like you snuck on the list or it was a lottery. I mean, you earned that through your 20 years career. I mean, has it sunk in yet? Uh, it, uh, not really. I'll be honest with you, Jim. It's, it's, it's when people call me, you know, like, um, you know, Mr. Hall of Famer, you know, kind of joking around with me. It's, it's kind of like, Oh, you know, don't, you know, it's just, um, again, I was, I was very fortunate to play 20 years and play on a lot of good teams with a lot of good players. And, you know, they, they say, uh, you know, if you last a long time, you know, you usually get rewarded. So, uh, I definitely got rewarded and it's, I'm very, you know, very happy that, uh, you know, that I'm in that hall of fame. And there's, like you said, there's a lot of great players th that are in there too. So it's, uh, I'm very, very happy that I'm in there and it's, uh, you know, it's just something that it might take, uh, you know, maybe when I get grandchildren or something, they bring it up to me that, uh, but until then it just, it doesn't feel real sometimes. And, uh, but again, you know, I'm pretty proud of it too. So this is for our Tulsa Oilers fans. So another Springfield player who uh, made it a couple of years after you into the AHL Hall of Fame, Rob Murray, coach of Tulsa Oilers. Uh, we talked a little off air about, you know, how we're always trying to get a hold of coach, which we've talked to him at games, but it's just not the time or place, you know, to uh, talk about coming on the podcast. We've heard so many stories about Rob Murray. What, uh, you, you played with him a little bit. You played against him. What was he like? So he was a very intense, he's the type of guy that you want on your team and you don't want to play against. Um, you know, you never knew what he was going to do on the ice. He just, he, he worked that hard. He, he just, he wanted to win. And, you know, I remember playing against him and how hard he was to play against, you know, he wasn't afraid to get in there and get his nose dirty. And uh, he wasn't afraid of, of anyone out there. And, and you were never sure what he was going to do. You know, he would be that type of guy that, you know, would cross check you and, you know, and when you're not looking or something like that. And, but that's just his mentality. He was just, he was so competitive and he would do anything, like I said, to get you off your game. And, um, you know, the one thing I never fought him, that was one thing that I remember I was, I was young at the time and, uh, I forget I, somebody on my team said, you know, make sure you don't fight Murray. I'm like, okay, I got it. <laughs> you know, So, so he, uh, but again, you know, there's, there's a guy that, uh, you know, worked, worked his butt off and, and did whatever he could and, and had success doing it. And, and, you know, he's obviously in the hall of fame too. So it's, it's nice to be in with a guy like that. And I got to meet him um, multiple times and he's just a, he's a good person. And, um, and like I said, he's one of those guys you want on your team. So um, kind of jumping into uh, a little bit of your coaching and your position now. So you, you uh, do some uh, coaching stints, what Peterborough and of course in Hershey. And uh, what did you take away from being on the coach's perspective rather than the player? And I'm assuming if you're the assistant and Andrew and I are just getting to know the sort of hockey community, uh, 
were you you had to be the good guy or were you like the you know rough assistant coach or are all assistant coaches the good guys <laughs> usually the assistant coaches are good guys but um you know i'll, I'll give you an example so the, this is how uh you know small the hockey community is so when i was done playing in, in springfield i went back home and i was going to take probably about six months and just relax and enjoy being retired and I got a call from Jody Hall, who was the head coach in Peterborough. And Jody's like, Hey, I heard you were just retired. We're looking for an assistant coach. You know, would you have any, uh, would you, would you be interested in it? And so I talked to my wife and, and you know what, I, it, it was about an hour and a half away from home because my kids were done. They didn't want to move anymore. You know, my son was, uh, you know, at the time, I think he was, uh, in grade eight or something like that. He was been in six different schools and, um, so I convinced them to say, Hey, if I get this job, it's only an hour and a half away. So I, I asked Jody, I'm like, so Jody, how did my name got brought up? And he actually said that Mike Oak was the GM in Peterborough and Mark French and Mike Oak are good friends. And so Oki was talking to Mark French, who Mark French is my uh, head coach in Hershey, assistant coach, first year head coach, the second. And they, my name got brought up and, and they're like, Hey, Mark said he'd be a great coach. And anyways, went through the process, ended up getting the job. And then how I got down to Hershey was we went down to the draft in Philadelphia um, because we were going to have two guys drafted from Peterborough. So got in a van with all of the coaching staff management, and the two players drove down to, uh, to Philadelphia and, and uh, Mike Oak said, Helms, they have a really good um, coaches clinic here. And it's NHL coaches, AHL coaches, amateur coaches. He goes, you could learn a lot. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go and just see what it's like and see who I know. And the first person I run into is Troy Mann, who Troy was the assistant coach in Hershey when I won in 2010. And, you know, I hadn't talked to Troy in a long time. And he said to me, he goes, Helms, I'm actually here to interview for the Hershey Bears head coaching job. He goes, if I get it, would you be my assistant? And I was like, you know what? Like, so talk to my family again. And, and I think if it would have been anywhere else, they probably wouldn't have went, but because we stayed in touch with people in Hershey, my, my uh, kids still had their friends there and Troy got the job and, and sure enough brought me on as an assistant. So it's just, that's how small the hockey community is that something like that happened. And then, you know, when you get into the coaching side with, with, uh, as an assistant, yeah, you're, you're almost uh, a part of the players, you know, you still, which I loved because I, you know, I, again, I love being around the young guys, love giving advice and all that stuff. And, and the assistant coach is, is just the guy that is the kind of raw, raw guy and we're going to do it. And then, you know, if, when the head coach, you know, yells or does something or, or says something, you're the guy that goes in and kind of smooths everything over. So, uh, which, which I enjoyed doing. And, um, you know, so it, it was good. I, I was, you know, towards the end of my career, I, I wanted to get into, you know, if it wasn't coaching, it was, I wanted to get into the manager side of it because, you know, I always thought the, uh, the business side of hockey always intrigued me, you know, and how, you know, how do we get the, the, these things or how do you, you know, how do you get players on your team? And so it was, it was pretty neat for me to, to get into coaching and then obviously get into the managing side of it too. So getting into the managing side of things. Well, first of all, I, I've got a note here because, um, my wife, wants to make sure I mention this and uh, might not be relevant to anything, but you know, uh, she's an Okie girl, but she's now knows a lot about hockey being married to me for six years. And anyway, uh, you know, she's like, well, you got to mention the uh, teddy bear toss. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure he doesn't, you know, it's, you know, it's a good thing, but it's, you know, but anyway, so she wants to me to make a big deal. Uh, if anybody doesn't know that, Something like thirty-six thousand or forty thousand. What is it like it's, on the teddy bear toss night? It is unbelievable, Jim. Like you, if you guys ever get the chance, come to Hershey, please, on teddy bear toss night because there's nothing. It's hard to explain. It actually gives you goosebumps when it all happens because that it's just to see it. You know, you're waiting for the goal. Everyone's cheering. Every shot, people are cheering. Like, and then when it happens and those teddy bears come flying out, it, it is actually spectacular. It's it's amazing. It's you know, I've, I've seen it as a player. I've seen it as a coach. And then to go behind the scenes when I was a manager, like it, the, the process of them getting the bears off, it takes, you know, 45 to, to almost, you know, an hour to get the bears off the ice. And then you have people in the back of the arena counting these bears one by one and throwing them in bags. And then they want to make sure that they're counting them so fast that they get the, the, uh, the count before the game's over so they can tell the fans what they got. And, 
you know, when we obviously broke the record, I don't know if it'll ever be broken again, but it was, uh, it was fun. Our, our fans, they, they take pride in it. Um, you know, there's, there's one guy that him and his daughter collect, you know, they had 5,000 teddy bears before the game even started, you know, really? so it's, yeah, our fans get into it uh, a lot. And actually I was on ESPN and to talk about it too, a couple of years ago. So it gets, uh, it, you know, it gets worldwide, um, you know, uh, publicity and and stuff like that so it's it's uh, it's pretty neat and like i said if you guys could ever get the opportunity to come to Hershey, you need to come when it's uh, when it's teddy bear toss night what's uh from the management side what's the thing that surprised you the most about the business or the management side of pro hockey yeah so for me it's 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 actually a little different because we're, we're owned by hershey entertainment resorts so hershey entertainment resorts owns hershey park they own Hershey Park. So it's a big corporation. And so we're the smallest part of the business. And for me, it's uh, not only am I learning about hockey business, but I'm learning about park business, hotel business. So when I go into meetings and, but the thing is when I go into meetings, everyone loves the Hershey bears. So when I go in these meetings, it's okay. We don't want to talk about the park or the hotels. We want to talk about hockey. So they're like, okay, what do you got for us, Brian? You know? And and then, you know, it's just, it, what's for me, it's what's neat about it is it makes you really respect um, your GMs from before when I was, when I was a player or when I was an assistant coach, because when you're a player, you ask for something and, and it's there, you know, as an assistant coach, the same thing, you ask for something, it's there. But now as the GM or, or as management, you're the one that has to go get it. You're the one that has to jump through the hoops and, and, and to try to get it and get it, you know, quickly. So it keeps everyone happy. So it, it's neat to just see the process of that. It's neat to be in on meetings to talk about players. You know, I, you know, there's certain, I remember my first one when I was an assistant coach, the first time I went in, they started talking about players and I'm like thinking to myself, I wonder what they said about me, you know? So it's, it's, uh, it, it's neat to see that part of it and to see how, you can shape a team and, and, and different things like that. Scouting, you know, you, you watch video on players, just it, all that sort of stuff is pretty neat. And obviously too, is, is uh, knowing that you have a budget and trying to make everything work within a budget. So it's pretty neat. That's that way. So as vice president of hockey operations, what does a typical day or week look for you or look like for you, especially like this week? Yeah. So it, it basically, uh, you know, I come in in the mornings and uh, check my emails and then I go downstairs to the dress room, uh, talk to the coaches, make sure that everything, they don't need anything, make sure that everything's, uh, you know, everyone's happy. Everyone, you know, they, that's uh, getting ready for practice. And, and then uh, what I'll do is I'll go back up to my office and, and make sure, you know, if there's any situations up there with marketing or ticketing or anything like that. And then I'll grab a coffee and a water and I'll go watch uh, practice, um, you know, sit there. And, and usually there's there's different people there. There's maybe the uh, player development coach from Washington sitting there with me. We're watching the game. We're talking or watching practice. We're talking about players, um, you know, our, our our uh, broadcaster might come down. Zach Fish might come down, talk to him uh, about certain things, planning for, for, for games and stuff like that. And then after practice, I'll go back down to the dressing room, talk to the coaches about practice, you know, and then, uh, and then go home for lunch, come back. And, you know, again, I have meetings that uh, deal with, uh, like I said, ticketing, uh, marketing, advertising, stuff like that. And then the opportunity when, when our team goes on the road is to come with a team, you know, and, and just be a part of the team. And um, I, I love being around the guys. You, you, you learn how, you know, you know, learn their personalities. You, they kind of, it seems like when you get players on the road, they relax a little bit more. And, you, you know, this morning, for example, you're down at the, uh, in at breakfast and you're chatting up with some of the players and, you know, so it's, it's just, it's good to be around the team, get to know the guys and, and then, uh, and then go to the game tonight. So, um, and then just uh, when I go to these games again, I like to look at the other team and look at their players and see if anybody sticks out and make little notes. And um, so that I can let Washington know that, Hey, maybe this player you should look at bringing in next year to not, just, like I said, not just to help us, but to help the Washington Capitals. So uh, from management, and I've, I've always wanted to ask this question and I've got the right guy to answer this question. So with, um, you have a guy playing in the NHL, he gets sent down to the AHL, and then he gets sent down to the East Coast League. And of course, we're very familiar with East Coast here in Tulsa. And we've talked off air on some of the 
uh, East Coast players. And from a management standpoint, are you looking at, obviously, it's, you know, what they can do, their progression as a player, but how well they handle situations. And, you know, we've had some guys come to Tulsa that have got NHL contracts. They're pissed off. Their agents told them they're the next Sidney Crosby. And what are they doing in, in the East Coast League? Um, what does the management look for with a guy to handle that? Or if the guy isn't handling it well, what do you do with that player? Yeah. So, so Jim, the one thing that we do is when you, when that happens, it's, it's really tough to send a player down that's on an NHL contract to the ECHL. But if you, if you go to them and you tell them you have a plan and maybe you show it on paper of saying, okay, you know, right now we want you to go down the ECHL, which is South Carolina for us in Charleston. We want you to go down to the stingrays and we want you to work on this, this, and this, and this is coming maybe from the, say it's a defenseman. It's come from our D coach. You know, he can show him video before he gets sent down. Um, and then when he comes in, the, the head coach will talk to him and then I'll talk to him. And then you'll also have, um, you know, let's say a player development coach from Washington that could reach out to him and, and talk to him. And just to make sure that his mindset's uh, and he knows the plan of going down there for, let's say, 20 games. You're going to play in every situation. You're going to get better. And it's going to help you when you get called back up to, to, to Hershey. And then we'll do the same thing in Hershey. And then hopefully he'll get you to the, to the Washington Capitals. So, you know, if you, if I think if you lay it all out like that, and then the and then the person or the kid still complains about it, then you might have a situation where you might have to, you know, go a different route or, you know, where you might have to talk to, uh, to the agent and, you know, try to get, get it through some other, some different way. In my time here in five years, I, I have not yet to see something like that. Um, I think if you put it the right way, um, yeah, the, the kid's going to be uh, upset about it. But I think um, they'll adapt and that they see that, hey, uh, I'm not uh, an afterthought. I'm still part of their plan. And here's this plan. So um, I, that's the way we do it. Uh, other teams might do it differently where they just send the kid down and, and not say too much to him. And that's, I think, where you get the the uh, the, the, the kid that's you know, bitter about being there and, and wants to go somewhere else. So I think there's a proper way to do it. And I think we do it the right way. So I don't want to end this on a sort of negative note. And we're, uh, so what's the best part about your job? Just, I'm still, I'm, I'm in hockey and I'm around the players and I'm around hockey. And um, I love every part of my job. Um, I think you guys still there? Oh, sorry. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think it's just, uh, you know, just being around the game, just still being involved in the game. Um, you know, I, I, I love the game of hockey. Uh, I, I love our coaching staff. I think we have a great uh, group of guys. Um, the one thing I, I will say is um, when we bring in a player, we make sure we do our homework on them, uh, especially, you know, uh, we, we see what type of hockey, uh, see what type of hockey player is a, and then we see what his personality is like. Will he fit into the teams? You know, how does he, how is his work ethic? Is he a good person? Is he a good teammate? So we make calls before we bring players in just to learn uh, all about them. So it's, uh, we're looking for good people. We're looking for good hockey players. And if you get that combination and, and you bring everyone together, you usually have successful years. So lead us in the lightning round, Andrew. Yeah, so I actually did want to ask one more question oh. going into the lightning round. What are your goals going forth? Because obviously, I take it this isn't your only stop in your you know post playing well, career. Well, he's going to so. win a Calder Cup. That's a that's, goal. that's pretty. <laughs> I was just going to say that's my first goal is to win the Calder yeah. Cup. Um, you know I, that would I it would be amazing to win a Calder Cup. Obviously, the the people that were in my position before Doug Yanks, you know uh, Frank Mathers, uh, you know guys like that, they've all won here. You know, so I've got big shoes to fill and. Would I love that to happen? Absolutely. Um, you know, is it, is it something down the road where, you know, maybe I get a chance to move up the NHL? I, I would love it, you know, and if, if it doesn't happen, you know, I'm pretty comfortable where I am and I can always, uh, you know, go back to coaching there. I do miss coaching. Um, there's certain things I miss about and there's certain things I don't, but uh, you know, I'm just in a good place right now. And um, so I'm just taking it uh, one year at a time and, if something came up and I had, and I was fortunate to make that next step, I would love to do that. So, um, so that's kind of where, where I am right now. So. 
we're gonna we're gonna end with a lightning round. You can answer with a, just a name or if you got a story, but you don't. You know, we're just gonna ask you these fast questions. We get a lot out of it. So okay, we'll start Andrew. So which arena during your playing days had the worst locker room? Ah. Ooh, uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, but they've made it better. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next one. Toughest goalie to score against. Ooh, good one. Um, toughest goalie to score against. Oh, Martin Brodeur. I had the chance every every time I went to New Jersey's training camp. And quick story, we were playing, uh, we're doing a drill. It was one-on-one. And the defense went as forwards. And the forwards went as defense. And I beat Christoph Oliwa, went through his legs. It was just me and Brodeur. And I shot it, and he made the glove save, and he made it look so easy to the puck in the corner. He's like, not today, Helms. Let's move on. <laughs> so, <laughs> Which arena had the worst ice conditions? Uh, probably San Antonio, obviously, um, being out, in the, out, out there, you know, tropical land, I guess you'd call it. Or they played at the, uh, the arena where the, uh, the Spurs played. So there, I remember going out there my first year, I ended up uh, – pulling the hamstring just just not you know soft ice and you, you know you're not used to it you're used to pretty hard stuff and that so i'd have to say that one for now the funniest or most embarrassing thing to happen to you during a game <laughs> i got one time in albany uh i got hit over the boards and into the visitor's bench and oh, i had no. brand new white socks on and when i came out i had the big stains on it so it was one of those things like not only did i get hit in the bench <laughs> I come out and had stains on my on my uh, socks and, and had to wear them the rest of the game. So that was one of them for sure. Is that one of the things for a hockey uh, pro hockey player of you know getting hit over the boards because the fans love it? Oh, you knocked them right out of the rink. But is that a big deal for a player not to have that happen? Yeah, it is. You know, you never want to go in, especially in the opposing bench. It's just that was pretty embarrassing. You know, you're 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 basically laying on the floor and you look up and they're they're all laughing at you. You know, so then you, you got to make sure you get yourself up, get over the boards and get back into the game. So it's uh, yeah, you want to try to stay away from that as much again. And like you said, you love to do it to someone else. But when it happens to you, it's not so fun. Did the uh, did the boys on your bench give you any crap about it? Or oh, they're they're laughing, too. So, yeah, absolutely. Which player had the innate ability to get under your skin? Who was just a rat to you back in the day? Uh, so it would be, um, uh, I think that's a good one too. Tyson Nash, actually. Tyson. So Tyson was, so he, so obviously he's with Arizona now as, a, as the, uh, I think a color, a color guy. Um, but he was in uh, Syracuse. I was in Albany. And man, oh man, him and I battled all the time. And my, I actually, my buddy made me a shirt um, it's me, he's turtling and it's me getting ready to punch him, you know? And uh, the, the fun thing was, is I got to play with the uh, Nasher in, uh, in St. Louis. And, uh, you know, we talked about those, those, the battles that we had and he actually thought I was tough. And I told him, I, I really, I, I basically fooled him because, uh, I wasn't that tough, but I, like I said before, I played tough and he thought I was one of the toughest guys. So, um, he would be one of them. Like it just, every, every time we played against, he was always under my skin. So. So who is the toughest player? And with the toughest player, I mean, being a defenseman, the strongest player to move out of the front of the net. So who is the guy, you know, like I remember one of our guests talking about Matt's Naslin, I think, yeah. and saying he couldn't move him. The defense, you know, he said, I couldn't move the guy. So who is that guy for you? Yeah, there, um, that's a good question. Like uh, in the NHL, I mean, a lot of those guys are, are were tough to uh, to move. I mean, um, you know, in the American Hockey League, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, so Jody Gage, I got to play against Jody, and again, he's a Hall of Famer. He's played in Rochester, and he was one of those guys um, that that was tough to move, like to get off the puck or to move in front of the net. Uh, Mitch Lamru is a guy that is in Hershey. Uh, he lives in Hershey and he's an yeah, uh, AHL hall of famer. He's actually got his uh, number retired in our, in our building. He, again, I, I was young and these, and these guys are older, but it's just amazing how, how strong and how, you know, they weren't very big, but man, they were strong on their stick and it was tough to get the puck away. So I'd say those two for sure uh, in the American hockey league. So I know that this last question is kind of broad and kind of general, but just the first thing that comes to mind when I say, what was your favorite hockey memory thus far? Yeah. Uh, my first NHL goal was, was a big one. Uh, it was in St. Louis. Uh, I just got called up from Worcester 
um, it was uh, my 50th game. And I remember I talked. So Jeff Finley was a, was uh, was a defenseman, a teammate of mine. And we before the game started, we were talking. He's like, I'm like, I, I feel pretty good today. You know, I, I think I might get my first goal. And sure enough, um, you know, got got my first goal. It was uh, it was on a one timer. It ended up being the game winner. Um, I, I, I think my celebration was, I jumped into the uh, glass and I had a smile on my face and, and, uh, it was, it was amazing. And I remember going back and, and high five and all the guys in the bench. And I remember stopping and, and saying to, uh, to Jeff, you know, you know, it, it, it worked out, I guess I, I'm a little bit of a psychic, but, um, uh, but we had a good, we had a, fu- a fun time with that, you know, and they actually showed me on the bench and, uh, you know, after about a minute, the play was still going on. I still had a smile on my face. So it was, uh, it was probably that, that was probably the biggest one. Um, you know, in the minors is obviously winning, I think the, uh, the Calder cups, um, especially the, the last one that we won was yeah. at home in Hershey, you know, it was after they hadn't won in, in, you know, 20, 30 years or something like that. It was crazy that they hadn't won at home and to do that in front of our home fans. And when I talk about it, I actually, I, you know, I was down in the corner with 10 seconds left and the crowd was just going crazy and gives me goosebumps just thinking about it right now. And, and, you know, to obviously lift a cup up in front of your fans, it's pretty special too. Awesome. That's a great way to end that. Yeah. So yeah. Brian, uh, we're appreciative of your time. I know we're a little bit over, but uh, we, we certainly appreciate your time. You're a busy guy yes. and hopefully you have, this was great for us. This is yeah, a great, I story. Had a great time. <laughs> yep. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate having me on. I, you know, obviously, uh, you know, you guys are having fun doing what you're doing. So keep doing it and keep your stick on the ice boys. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we had our first vice president of uh, hockey, hockey operations. operations. Yeah. Yeah. And HL hall of famer. I mean, what a great guy. And, and right off the bat, it, I don't know if Mark will still be listening, but Mark Strobel, uh, this is a good, uh, he recommended Brian and said, this is the guy with the stories and that's definitely true. So we want to thank Mark for yeah. kind of uh, uh, making the transition, the connection here to Brian. And he was a great, great guy. Yeah. Great stories. Former NHL player. Uh, great story on how he made it there. I mean, playing in the junior B leagues and then makes it the AHL, the NHL. Good stuff. Three Calder Cups. Dude's got a long resume, man. That was a long years. intro. 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. yeah. And, so. uh, and he's still living the uh, the dream of being involved in hockey. And Absolutely. So uh, just a great episode. So uh, we're a little bit long uh, yeah. here, so we'll make this short. So we will uh, catch everybody later. Yes. Uh, and we do want to mention that Andrew's put together uh, our first uh, website. Yep. A lot of people have been... Uh, trying to say, hey, is there, a, we hate Twitter. Some people hate Twitter and we're only on Twitter and a little bit on Instagram, yep. but uh, you know, we don't have the time to devote full time to this, but uh, Andrew did put together our website. Yep, we did put together a website. It'll be published by the time, this is definitely published for sure. Shirts as well. What is the website? LindrothHockeyPodcast.com. Lindroth Hockey Podcast. Remember, double H's. Lindroth Hockey Podcast. Some people have been doing the one H. Oh, really? But it's, it's both. But. Okay. Check us out. Have a wonderful week. We appreciate everybody tuning in. It's a long episode, but we appreciate everybody hanging in there. And on the website, we have all of the archives of every guest, and you can go through the episode tab on the top left of the page, and you can scroll through and, and have links to all of our uh, past guests, and they're all great listens. So we wish you guys the best. Thank you much, and we'll catch you next episode.